What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Me, 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 me. How you doing, chat? I'm doing all right. How you doing, Denzel? Fucking great. Yeah. Welcome to another edition of Real Nerd Hours, a podcast about nerd culture, but mostly anime and things that we don't like. Yes, mostly just complaining about anime. <laughs> Talking about the shit we don't like in the tech world. Yeah, uh, we do. We do sometimes speak about tech tips. We do sometimes speak about video games. And sometimes we talk about life. A lot of the time we talk about life. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> I.e. in the bonus episode. <laughs> you'll notice that last week I had mentioned we recorded for two and a half hours. But mysteriously, about 45 minutes of that was missing. Where did it go? It's on the Patreon. Or by the time you hear it, I hear this, it'll be on the Patreon. All right. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It details <laughs> yeah. some things that I, I'm better off not saying on, on public air. If you want to hear it, you can just support the Patreon at patreon.com slash real nerd hours. You can check that out. Yeah, get your real nerd at hours gold account popping. <laughs> it's um, it's going to be in the outtakes. So that has some outtakes from the Virtual Pros episode, which was twenty one. It's got an outtake from episode twenty three with Nikki. Okay, and it's got an outtake from last week's episode twenty five. Yeah, so it's a sizable chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about an hour. So there you go. You're getting a full on brand new bonus episode yeah yeah i would say that the first first two segments are a lot funnier than the last but the last sex the last segment is interesting yeah it's very interesting at least to me chet you found it interesting it was interesting to listen to yes okay cool cool as long as you weren't bored to death that's what matters yeah because i mean look it's for for those of you listening at home the outtakes are basically comprised of me uh, mostly talking, rambling. It's, uh, on occasion, it has some stuff from other people, but I don't really like cutting other people out of the episode because they're doing <laughs> me the courtesy, doing us the courtesy of showing up yeah. you know, and recording. So I might as well leave everything in there. But if there's anything that they want me to cut out and have nobody here, I'll do that. But for the most part, it's just kind of like if I'm rambling on too long or if there's a segment that's a complete non sequitur that just <laughs> won't work anywhere, I just cut that shit out as well. And that's what that's what the outtakes are made up of most of the time. And yeah. I'm surprised we made it to an hour. Yeah. That was all last week, though. That was mostly yeah, last, week. last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think. I think there's probably about 15 minutes of other shit in there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We've, we've gotten good at being broadcast ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Not saying some incredibly hot takes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But sometimes, sometimes we get carried away. A little bit. Especially me. No. <laughs> <laughs> other content that's gone up on the Patreon by now, at least, is the commentary that Chet and I did for Kijo Keijo. Keijo. Keijo, the ass and titty anime where there's girls just slapping them against each other. It was a glowing report. Yep. Yep. We weren't sober. No, that was directly after uh, some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And another power hour. This time, 
actually an hour. Yes, yes. It's actually an hour, and it's going up at the end of this week. I so Friday. And most of that time is rendering. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's when I when I pulled it off the camera, it was a hundred and something gigs, a hundred and seven gigs. Yes, yeah, a lot of data. Yeah, it's a fuckload of data. So, I hope you guys enjoy that. Remember, that's on the Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/RealNerdHours. You can follow the show on Twitter at XRealNerdHours. You can follow me on Twitter at that Denzel. You can follow Chet on Twitter at Bushido Brown SD. Excellent. You can join us on the subreddit, which is a great community. Yeah, a bunch, fantastic bunch of good community. guys. Yeah, we're all good guys. <laughs> we're not nice guys, though. No, certainly we're not. Good guys. Yeah, yeah. At, a bunch uh, of dickheads out here. <laughs> <laughs> we are at realnerdhours.reddit.com, and I mean, if you're listening to this, you can just leave us a review on iTunes. If you're listening, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, just you know, pop us a little heart. Yeah, we like that. Yeah. We're big fans of that. Yeah. Spread the love. Yes. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. Mo wet and Alize. Keep me tipsy. Girls used to diss me, but now they some something and they kiss me. Uh, I don't remember how I always find it funny when rappers rap about Alize and like Moscato and stuff. Yeah. It's like the sweetest, girliest drinks out there. I mean, they're tasty. But yeah. it's like, yeah, this is 4% alcohol content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had Alizé for the first time when I was like 20. And I was just like, why are people rapping about this? Right? But then they started rapping about Hennessy. Yeah. Yeah. That's real shit. Yeah, that's that shit that'll really f- fucking make you grow hair on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Going Hobbit status out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not good. It's not. I don't like it at all. I. This is going to sound... This is going to sound mad douchey, but I can't really drink cognac because the first cognac I ever had was Louis the 13th, which is like, it was a $2,500 bottle. I didn't buy it myself. We got invited to a tasting and they, they did the whole thing. Like the guy who was doing the tasting was a rep for Louis the 13th, which is made by Remy Martin. It's like their highest, uh, their highest tier of cognac. And, you know, he's like, okay, when you smell it, you have to smell it from this distance. When you taste it, just get a little bit on your lips. And, you know, like this whole like shebang. So later that night, we went out to dinner. I I did this whole thing with my family. So my dad buys us uh, Cavassier and Hennessy. And he's like, okay, remember how the Louis XIII was? All right, now try these. And they were fucking swill in comparison. Like, <laughs> I can't drink cognac anymore because I remember. <laughs> the first time I had cognac, it tasted like uh, fish. Huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> For, I don't remember what it, what brand it was, but granted, I was uh, 12, 13 at the time. Okay. And I was spending the night over at a friend's house and he got into his parents' liquor cabinet (laughs) and he was just like, try this. And I said, oh, what is this? And I smelled it, smelled like fish, tasted it, tastes like fish. Okay. (laughs) And I saw him pour it right out the bottle and I was like, maybe his parents are fucking with him. You know, that would be pretty good. Yeah. They put a bunch of fish oil in a fucking liquor bottle. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be fucked. I didn't drink a whole lot of it because I didn't like the way it smelled or tasted. No. Especially uh, like... 13 yeah you know you're not really 
fucking around getting drunk often. <laughs> that, I know some people do, but y'all got issues. Yeah, no, getting drunk when you're young is like, it's not, that's not even fun. No. No, you want to be outside and playing and, no, get, not anymore. I well, guess you yeah. want to sit inside and play Minecraft. <laughs> Yo, drunk Minecraft, let's go, Timmy. Oh, jeez. Update on the cringe cup. We decided to hold it off for one more week so we could get Nikki on. She's got she's got some interesting perspective on some of these. <laughs> she can be your voice of judgment here. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be pretty fun. I wonder if I can we can get another girl. So so we have two girls judging this shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'd have to get another mic. I don't know where my other mic is. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Cringe Cup is going down next week. We have a bunch of entrants. If you want to see the updated list, I'll put the link to the thread in the show notes. And I'll also just keep it on the subreddit. Yeah, it's been stickied for almost a month now. So y'all should be familiar. But in case you aren't, just swing on by there. Take a look. If you have any more last minute input. Now's your chance. Yeah, yeah. I'll, the the list has been updated, so it'll be it'll be say magnifique. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's looking pretty good so far. We have twenty four entrants. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid tournament. Yeah, nothing nothing really has changed much since the last time I read the list. But basically, I added dudes who take their wife who's out to dates, mainly body pillows, people who are way too hyped about diversity. Oh, yeah. And um, fandom gatekeepers. I added that yeah. as well. Yep. Yep. That's That one's pretty bad. Yeah. No, that is annoying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's going to be a good time. We're going to for sure do it next week. Sorry for putting it off. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's not. I guess you know, it's not that big of a deal. Don't rush. You can't rush hard. <laughs> Come on now. Got to take it slow. So, Chet, you watch any anime? Nothing new. Nothing. Oh. However, however, I did read The Promised Neverland. Oh, as your as your friend recommended. Yeah, shout out to Juan. Yeah, uh, I did not get to get to the other one that he recommended, uh, Jagan. Mm-hmm. Didn't get around to that because I ended up getting a uh, pretty pretty into The Promised Neverland. So the the quick rundown for the story. I'm only going to really give spoilers from the first chapter. Because anything beyond that, and then you're just spoiling the story. But um, it's basically there's an orphanage where it's you know some like 30 kids. They're all living together, and none of them know their parents. They're orphans, you know, whatever. And it's the story mostly revolves around the three oldest kids in the orphanage. Uh, they're all just about 12 years old. Most of the other ones are around around six years old, kind of in that range. And one thing that's kind of weird about this orphanage is that they take what is effectively an IQ test every day. And it's super fast paced. They have to answer 100 questions in an hour or something like that. And it's, it's straight up an IQ test. But the three oldest kids all get full scores every time. They get perfect marks every day. And so these kids are legit geniuses. And as it turns out, These kids are being molded into geniuses because they're being sold off to demons who want to eat their developed brains. Oh, geez. So it's not so much an orphanage as much as it is a farm. 
That's fucking tight. Yeah. So, of course, you have these three genius kids who find out that this place is a farm and they're going to get fucking eight. So now they're devising a way to escape. That's dope. And that's the premise of the story thus far. That's pretty rad. It's really interesting. And it, it's what's pretty cool is that it's because the, the caretaker is just one woman in charge of this whole orphanage. Because it's just one person, she's clearly also going to be genius level. So you you have this like 12D chess going on between these kids and this one. 12D chess. God damn it. What a meme. Ugh. It's, it's one of my favorite things to come out of this election. You got to find something good. <laughs> Trump's, Trump's been t- playing 40D chess. He knows exactly what he's doing. I fucking hate people so much. Oh, my God. I, I, I only like that argument because it's so funny to me mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's there's no way stop just, <laughs> just slow your roll a little bit please do please slow that <laughs> roll a whole lot a bit actually so it's these crazy mind games that are going on between the caretaker and the kids because it's like the caretaker does she know that the kids know do the kids know if the caretaker knows if the kids know or not you know like all this just back and forth stuff it's it's really cool though I do recommend giving it a read. It's about 40 chapters deep now. And oh, it's still ongoing. Yeah, it's still ongoing. And I believe there's an anime for it. If there is, I haven't seen it. If there isn't, well, I haven't seen it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, myself, have watched some anime. Watched a bunch of Lupin the Third. Excellent choice. So somebody posted a clip from... The most recent Loop on the Third movie, it's uh, the bloody remember. something of yeah. Ishikawa Goemon. Some. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember the full title. And the reason why I don't is because I didn't watch that because it's not in English yet. Oh, well. I still refuse to watch subtitled things. I did, however, watch The Gravestone of Daisuke Jigen. Oh, okay. So that that one came out, I believe, last year or the year before. Okay. And it's part of the series of anime that they've been doing since a woman called Fujiko Mine. Mm. And that series is really fucking good. So in Loop on the Third, there are five main characters. There's Fujiko Mine, Daisuke Jigen, Ishikawa Goiman, and Loop on the Third, and the detective whose name is escaping me right now. I forget his name all the time. Zenigata. So those are mostly the five characters involved with the show. Sometimes there are recurring characters, like in the most recent series, uh, Lupin gets married to a woman, and she appears in the series a couple times. And I watched some of that. They're, they're airing it on Adult Swim now, I believe. Okay. So it's from 2015, not a woman called Fujiko Mine, which they did air already, but the latest loop on the third series, which came out in Japan in 2015. Right. So since a woman called Fujiko Mine, they've been doing like small vignettes on some of the other characters involved in the show. And one of them was Goimon. The other one was Jigen. And Jigen's is pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. So basically, Jigen and Lupin go to a country that's kind of just a dictatorship, right? Sure. And they're, of course, going there to steal something. Oh, I should explain that. Oh, yeah. So, um, Fujiko 
Lupin, Goemon, and Jigen are all thieves. They're all they're just a band of thieves, and Detective Zenigata is the goofy cop who can't ever catch them doing anything ever. It's got a pretty Pink Panther vibe to it, yeah. where it's like you have the skilled thief, and then you have like Inspector Clouseau, who's just a for, some, for some reason he's still on this case. <laughs> he has a job for whatever fucking reason. No, he has no business still being here. But that's how it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's just a fun little slapstick comedy. And in most cases, with the exception of the Fujiko Mine series, which was like very artsy fartsy mm-hmm. and very like um uh cerebral i guess i don't know i okay. don't know what to call it it was kind of meta i never it, watched it myself but it I've, a, I've heard that it was very good and very different yeah it was incredibly different from the normal series it was basically like a love letter to fujiko which was it's appropriate for Lupin, but like for, as for the creators of the show who i don't think are around anymore uh. like that i think that's like it's a, it's a little weird, but huh. all that aside, okay. <laughs> uh, the the gravestone of Daisuke Jigen. Yes. <laughs> the, the gravestone of Daisuke Jigen is just about Lupin and Jigen who go to a, basically a different country to go steal something, but somebody's already on to them, and there's a hitman who's been hired to kill Jigen. And there's a whole conspiracy involved, and that's my magic word, conspiracy. If there's a conspiracy involved in most things, I fuck with it. <laughs> like, regardless of how bad it is, really. Like, I love conspiracies that much. Like, ask me about Cube, or Cube 2, or Cube 0. Damn. I watched all those. <laughs> but, all that aside, um, it's it's well animated. The voice acting, it's not, of course, the original voice actors, unfortunately. Uh, they kind of go the route of getting sound-alikes. Like, people who sound similar to the original voice actors, sure. but not too similar to make you think that they're trying to be them. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the animation's on point. The story's really good. It's a fun, it's a fun little vignette. And I can't wait to watch the one about... Um, Goimon. Yes. Yeah. It's re- really good really good show. Yeah, it it that's one of those shows that every time I've watched it, I've enjoyed it, but I've never sat down and just consumed a bunch of it. Like I've seen they've they've done multiple runs of the series. And I've seen two or three episodes of every run. I haven't seen any of the movies. Actually, that's not even true. I've seen bits of some of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> there are like 30 of them. Yeah, that's a bunch. There are a shitload. And they do like a crossover with Detective Conan. Yeah. I'll get into Detective Conan after you finish. One of the one of the first things that um, Hayao Miyazaki worked on was one of the first Lupin the Third movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it was the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, the castle of Caliestro. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So I think he did some of the background design in that and like some of the, the set design kind of stuff. And yeah, those most of Lupin is just really gorgeous. Yeah. Like it's always well animated. The backgrounds are always great. And they're, and they're always also going to exotic countries and stuff. Like I remember there was one episode where they steal the Jesus on top of uh 
the in, sugar hip loaf mountain in brazil yeah uh the uh fuck what's it called yeah i forget the name <laughs> it's, a, it's a monument in civ and that's the only reason why i used to know the name of oh, it God. you know y'all yeah. know the jesus statue in rio de janeiro uh cristo redento yeah that's it. it's something like that so, uh, yeah it's christ the redeemer is yes, what it yes. translates to but yeah, they, they literally just take a helicopter and just lift it up off the map. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's really funny? The reason why I remembered the, uh, the name of that is because of an ugly duckling song called Rio de Janeiro. Nice. Yes. <laughs> oh, shit. They say uh, they, they just go over a bunch of the monuments in Brazil. Okay. And it's like Sugarloaf Mountain. And then they name some bay, and then they say uh, Cristo Redemptor. It's, 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 it's a good song. It's All a good right. song. <laughs> the, the show, the real, well, I should also state that one thing that does annoy me about the show is that they're always on the chase. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's a little bit of like a blue balling for me. I just want to see them succeed once, more than once. I yeah. want to see them win. You know what I mean? It, but uh, that's, that's part of them being like thieves with the hearts of gold. Of course. Yeah, There's there's been a few times where it's like they actually steal the thing, but then they have to give it back for some reason because it'll break this little girl's heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it, I'm not... I'm not... I've said this before in previous episodes, but I don't do subtext very well. And like <laughs> the whole 4D chess thing... Sometimes that appears in episodes. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, man. Yeah. That's so stupid. Because it's I I just like to take in media as far as what I can see. And that's why I'm more of a cinema normie and not some guy who's constantly reading into things. Mm-hmm. Because like that's not how I enjoy media. You know what I mean? There's times when it works and there's times when it doesn't. Exactly. You can really tell when someone's trying to be cerebral and it's like, oh, check it this out. There's a twist to this twist. Yep. Hate that. And yeah, if if you don't do it perfectly, oh, it just fails so hard. Like it. it yeah. Yeah. It does. Nah. <laughs> it does. It's not great. It's not great. But, you know, you do what you can. But the. The show as a whole, I recommend even even the series back from the seventies. Yeah, seventy one, and then they did a season two in seventy seven, and they redid it in twenty fifteen. There are movies between the seventies and now, and yeah, it's there's really great. Almost always been some sort of new Lupin media. Yeah, same with Case Closed. Yes. Case Closed is really fucking goofy. So there is a a genius, right? He's like a genius detective. And he's 17, 18 or something like that. Back when anime used to have like reasonably older protagonists. (laughs) And then this is they went and fucked it all up because some guy turned him into a kid with a poison that he thought would have killed him. So now the detective, whose name is Conan, was turned into a little kid. And he's just a very smart little kid having to hang out with dumb little kids. <laughs> and he's solving crimes. Yep. And he's very good at it. And I haven't watched any of the crossover films yet, but I like I like Detective Conan too. It's fun. Yeah. 
it's kind of the other side of Lupin in ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if there was a serious detective actually chasing, <laughs> right? Chasing if him there around. was a competent detective on the case, <laughs> <laughs> and the competent detective always wins. Yeah. I don't. It, uh, I don't know. There's I don't know that like, for a fact, but I'm sure there are arcs where he doesn't. Oh, I'm sure that, but I, I think that doesn't strike. It's not really a. Um, it's not really an adult show. So I can't imagine them just like completely not resolving something. Oh, and just like leaving it to hang. So I'm sure he wins in the end in some fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. So I was talking about animation last week, Rio Timo and other other such types of animation. And Eric Luster came through with the hot, hot delivery of some very good information, actually. So he says, Denzel, the animator you were talking about, his name is Yutaka Nakamura. And these rough lines drawings you were talking about are called impact frames. There's a video that documents him well, and he links a panel at a convention from 2013 where there are a few dudes who are talking about the animation style and what it's been in and how it influenced anime as a whole. It's actually very good, surprisingly. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing. We can talk about this a little bit later, but not, not a lot of really good informational panels at anime conventions. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get, get into that later. We'll get into that, yeah. Also, check out Saku, sakugaburo.com. Sakugaburo. So I'll, I'll link it. It's, yeah. I, I checked it out, and it's like, it's like it was made for me. Oh, man. It's just a site full of GIFs or videos from anime, and it's specific sets of animation from that anime. Mm. And they're all tagged with the artist's name and what show it comes from. So you can kind of thumb through the site, see what looks good, and see, look at the animation and be like, yo, this shit is sick. Yeah. That, that by no means, is an indication of how good the show is, of course. No. But it will tell you how much money they have to spend. And chances are, the more money they spend, the better the show is going to be. Generally speaking, that's how it goes. Actually, I want to put in a quick aside on that. You talking about specific animators like Yutaka Nakamura. What studios will do for most shows, especially ones that aren't completely weekly. So like most anime, they'll, they'll run for a season. So it'll be like 13 episodes and that's it. And then they take a break for a year, 13 more episodes. What they will do oftentimes is they'll hire someone who specializes in certain things. Like Yutaka Nakamura is specifically an action animator and like special effects artist. So when they bring him in, they say, okay, you're going to do these scenes. Here are your storyboards from the manga or from whatever and have at it. And then they'll do all of their rush sketches. They'll have a team of people backing him up for like in-betweeners, colorists, etc. But when you see like some spectacular, crazy animated scene, it's oftentimes just one person who's not part of the main staff of that anime coming in and just being like, yo, the fuck's up? This is how we're animating this scene. It's going to be gold. 
and then it is yeah that's that's actually really great uh, the, one of the really great things about anime is just how quickly the style can switch in the middle of the episode yeah and that's the one thing that i saw in naruto versus pain one yes. of the fights and i think i talked about that last week oh that was on some of the bonus content oh that was on some of the okay yeah yeah, yeah. bonus content it's yeah. in there I also found a blog specifically about Rio Timo. One of the questions that we got this week was regarding the animation that I was talking about. And this blog post is super thorough and it explains a lot. It has a lot of video clips as well involved in the post. You know, the internet has some really great content sometimes. And there's a lot of content, so which is really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, lot of content. Yeah, that's more accurate. There's a lot of content and some of it is really great. But you'll find you'll find people who write these really long in-depth blogs about things. And of course, it's difficult to fact check some of these. Sure. Because they're blogs and a lot of the time people don't rightfully attribute things to people. And I read this post about Rio Timo or Rio Chimo or how the fuck you want to pronounce it, and it's fantastic it's a fantastic piece of literature mm-hmm. and the clips and all the stuff that back it up are, are pretty good it's very informational another thing that i want to circle back to is anime conventions and panels yeah so there was a there was a brief period in time when a show called hitalia was <laughs> very very popular yeah very popular and at every anime convention you could find like 10 or 15 panels about Italia just Italia and they would be like offshoots of themselves so or variations of the same panel like oh what if Germany and the US were in a relationship oh just for some clarification Italia is basically it's a it's a gag anime that is about personifications of the countries participating in World War II. So you have like America as a character, Canada's character, Germany, Japan, etc. Yes, exactly. And the whole thing is just Fujoshi bait. It's all borderline gay, but not really. And it, it attracted a very specific set of fans who were usually female and really into Yaoi. And very lonely. <laughs> a few a few panels that i've seen in the past that were really great were the history of anime in the united states part one and part two they they were hosted back at anime los angeles maybe like 2009 or so Mm. no no not that late or early maybe 2010 2011 is when i saw them and it was basically two or three people just going over their own history with anime. They've been fans since they were kids. Mm. And one of the best things that I'd ever heard of was the old tape trading economy. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to talk to Al about that a little bit, too, because sure. he, he was in the same thing with wrestling tapes. Okay. So... Essentially, I think Mike was as well. I'll, I'll see if they want to talk about it at some time, at some point in time. But I might, I might try to wrangle some bonus content and get like a, an anime thing 
put together and on the bonus content because I think it's actually very, very interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's, they're fun stories. And going back in time before the internet was around and having to go through tape trading and like driving tapes across state lines yep. so you could trade with somebody physically <laughs> is a really fantastic idea. And this wasn't, I mean, not to say that this was completely before the internet because these in some circumstances were spread around by wor- by word of mouth and you would drive to another city and go to another store and try to meet people to trade tapes with. Oh man. Or what you could do is later on in time, you could get on a BBS yeah. and try to meet people through there back before you could even think about transferring files, the size of whatever would be on a tape, like two forty P files across the internet, something that would take a millisecond today. Yeah. They're, they are actually very fun, fantastic stories. There's, I, my one experience with something like that was right around probably 2000. So DVDs were already a thing, but a lot of people didn't have DVD players or they were expensive, etc. And I had this one friend, Daniel, who is a huge anime fan, like total otaku. And he was, he was really into it. And my brother and I, we were kind of into it, but we weren't nearly as dedicated as he was. But he lent us an irresponsible Captain Tyler VHS. And it was a, it was effectively the first two DVDs just all ripped onto a VHS that he then copied to us. So super shit quality. <laughs> but what got me was that whoever did the original rip of this also put on all of the bonus content. So they're like slowly just like slideshowing through all the... Um, illustrations and stuff that they have as the bonus content and it's like an, another hour of just bullshit after the, at the end of the tape and we're like yo hell yeah <laughs> hell yeah that's fucking sick man that's fucking sick yeah man, it was it was a trip <laughs> <laughs> and going back to anime convention panels i understand that a lot of them are there for fun Mm -hmm. and i'm sure it's like this at most conventions that you go to a lot of the panels that are there are for fun yeah but i would i would recommend anybody who's going to a convention if there's any deep dive on history like the video game history or comic book history another panel that i really enjoyed at comic-con was actually the history of black characters and black writers and comics which was really that was fucking dope. Yeah, I could see that being a very interesting subject. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was pretty fun. It cool. was pretty fun. Really racist, though. Of I course. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, there was a panel I went to that I I didn't even intend on attending this panel at all. I just had to meet a friend who was in the panel, like just attending it, and I, we ended up just staying because it was so interesting. But it was the name of the panel was called "Cosplaying Without a Face." And it's essentially cosplayers who wear full body suits and masks and things like that and how they can bring those characters to life without having facial expressions. Now, of course, what really helped was that the people who were running the panel are professional performers. Like one of the guys, it was a, um, is a circus performer and he just does cosplay for fun. You actually may have seen some of his stuff before he, um, he has oh, fuck what's the name of the character 
He cosplays one of the characters from League of Legends who is really tall and is like a scarecrow kind of character. So he's standing on stilts and he's full size in his costume. So he's on stilts. So he's standing at like 12 feet tall, but he can jump around because he's a trained professional. Oh, shit. That's tight. (laughs) Yeah. And they, they just did all this stuff about like, okay, if you're wearing a mask, how do you emote with your body? And it was stuff that I would have never gone out of my way to see, but I just happened to stumble on this panel. It was very interesting, largely because these dudes were professionals. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if you're at a convention, don't be one of the sheeple who goes to one of those fucking promo panels at like Funimation yeah. or whoever will host, where they just talk about their old products and shit and show you a trailer that's online already. Yeah, like don't do that, and don't don't patronize those weird panels where it's people who are writing fan fiction essentially and saying like this is what it would be like if these two people were in a relation. I mean, I guess go to it if you're into it, but like. I don't know. I don't I don't feel like that stuff is really a great reflection of all the things that are available in the community. And the more that those things are attended, the less likely they are to put panels up of substance. But granted, like I don't go to every convention. So it's it's tough for me to be able to be like, oh, yeah, every convention is doing this. But if I from from what I've seen, if I had to guess, the trend is consistent across the country. I've heard of a convention that approved literally every panel that was submitted. I guess they just had enough space. So like, "Mm, fuck it, everyone's in. And I heard that there were approximately 60 different panels that were all just high Q Yaoi pairings. Okay. So that that's kind of telling right there. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I regret I regret everything about that. Yep. Moving moving forward, uh one thing that I definitely wanted to talk about this week is full-time streaming. Like being a streamer full-time yeah. on on Twitch. There was a there was a really interesting conversation that I had seen and some of you may or may not be familiar with this dude but his name is Destiny uh Stephen Bonnell the second and he basically has a Twitch channel where he just sits and plays video games like everybody else but the thing that he does that's more interesting than a lot of other streamers is he invites people on to have conversations Hmm. and a lot of it is politically charged he's an incredibly smart dude if you heard about the drawn john tron controversy where he said wealthy black people commit more crime than poor whites (laughs) 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 that that conversation was nuclear fallout level hot <laughs> yeah oh my god that that shit was hotter than sun hot, hotter hotter than fusion <laughs> jesus i don't know which of the two is hotter the sun or fusion uh, i think fusion makes the sun and but it could be hotter you know whatever <laughs> who, who knows who knows who knows somebody knows and they're gonna fucking tell us yeah, but can, uh, either way don't at me yeah don't at me (laughs) Uh, that's one of my favorite things to tell people (laughs) oh shit uh there's so destiny and one of the other streamers that that's very popular on twitch named summit got together and had a conversation for about three hours about what it was like back in the day during streaming and what it's like now streaming Mm -hmm. and basically how to grow your channel 
and how to be successful on Twitch. And in summation, what they said was you either have to be very good at the game. You have to be very charming. Um, I forgot what the third thing was. But the fourth thing, of course, was be a woman. Well, you know, (laughs) they basically were like, if you have all four of those or at least two of the four, you're good. Sure. So you or you're more likely to succeed. Sure. There's no guarantee of success on Twitch, which is which is which is is fine. I mean, there's no no guarantee of success in anything. Right. I mean, you can be a fantastic painter. But if no one sees your paintings, then who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's how the world works. Yeah, that's unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I wish I wish life were more of a meritocracy. So people who like Republicans like to believe. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> if you if you work hard, good things will come. That's one of the things that fucking pisses me off more than anything. If you are you fucking kidding me? How can you fix your fucking face and tell somebody that there's a, there's no such thing as being rewarded for hard fucking work? I tell you, I, I did a twenty for twenty on oh, twenty man. to twenty on this, and it was uh, in summation. I said, cheat. Do what you can. Take shortcuts. Cheat. Do whatever you can to look as good as possible to anybody who may be in charge of you. Because that way, you look good to them, and it looks like you're doing a good job. But if fuck, just go, just get on Patreon and listen to it. There you go. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. I fucking hate that. I, I, I hate could, when people I say could, that shit so much. I could do a very long bit on that mentality. Because there's things about it that I like that, you know, encourage hard work. But, man, if you think it's a direct, if it's a one-to-one correlation. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck. If you believe that, you're either very naive and you have a lot to learn about the world or you're purposefully lying to people. Yeah, I, I think it's really more of a naivety thing because I think the people who say that have their heart in the right place. But they probably never actually had to work for what they got. Yeah. Yep. But that's a conversation for another day entirely. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and one, one of my big takeaways from the talk that destiny did with summit was just exactly how much hard work it is yeah. and how destiny lives in Omaha and summit lives in Colorado mm-hmm. and they're both extremely successful streamers. But one of the things that I took away from it was like, even, even if you are successful, there's definitely going to be a limit of your success. Right. You're going to you're going to top out somewhere and it's difficult to say when or where or if your channel could just disappear evaporate one day. You know what I mean? Yeah, things happen. People will get bored with what you're doing. Like I think that comes down to the if you're if you're more of a personality, it doesn't merely matter what you're playing. But if you excel at one game, Oh, baby, you hope that you get good at another game once that first game starts dying out. Yeah. Yeah. Because, man, if if, people don't really fuck with uh, variety streamers. Yeah. Like there's a there's a few who are successful. Like I can think of like Clint Stevens, for example. He plays a bunch of different games, but he speed runs them. Mm -hmm. And he's I like him personally. I hate his fucking fan base because it's basically like it's it's just B. It's from yeah, 4chan. edgy, edgy yeah, kids. It's the edgiest of edgy, but he kind of promotes that, but 
in either case he plays a bunch of different games and he's successful with whatever but it's because he's speed running it and he's entertaining yeah so he's got it there are so that's one of the things that they touched on in the video as well they talked about they talked about how when Destiny initially started streaming, he was doing StarCraft 2 mm-hmm. because he was a former StarCraft 2 player and he was pulling from an audience that he already had. Sure. Right. People would come from whatever pro scene and come watch him play directly online because he was one of the first streamers like mm. in streaming in general. Okay. And he had like at one point like 15,000 viewers or something like that or mm-hmm. maybe he was averaging 5,000 viewers at a time when he was playing StarCraft 2 but as soon as he got rid of his desire to play StarCraft 2 he just lost half of his viewer base right and they want to watch StarCraft 2 yeah exactly exactly and it's it's a difficult job they broke down the hours the amount of hours that they stream in in a given week mm-hmm. and I think Summit was doing like 10 hours a day and Destiny was doing nine hours a day or eight. No, excuse me. He was doing seven hours a day, but it's that's every day. Yeah. Every single day. It was more than a full time job. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you could argue that they're they're being rewarded for it. But I mean, that's that in itself is difficult to say. Destiny runs his business in a different manner, Mm. which 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 is essentially the case. You're running a business when you get on Twitch. So the way he does it is he's got, of course, merch. And then he has his own website where you can subscribe to him. Okay. So what it is is he's got a tiered system. Prior to Twitch introducing a tiered system, he brought on a tiered system to his website. But because it's running through his website, and this is this is something that I've thought about as well, and what lends legitimacy to you as a product versus you as a person. And it depends a lot on what systems you're using, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's using his website, it at least I feel like it's fracturing his user base a little bit. They question the legitimacy of his website, but if he were to move over to something like Patreon, he would be able to capitalize on that more because people are more comfortable giving to a larger website like that, even though the money is going directly to him on his website. Yeah, like the familiarity aspect of something like Patreon certainly helps. Like, you know, you're not going to get your credit numbers like skimmed and, you know, it's yeah. not some kid in, in Sri Lanka isn't going to be running your shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that kid is probably dead because they ran kids through minefields in Sri Lanka. Oh, well, you know, no, good times. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out because a friend of mine was dating a Sri Lankan girl. And every time we brought up kids, she would always talk about how they ran kids through minefields in Sri Lanka. Good times. Why didn't they bring out the, the African rats? Oh, shit. Are they that big? Yeah, yeah. They're... um. <sighs> They, they, it's like the size of your forearm. Holy shit. There's huge rats. I mean, I don't even know if they qualify as rats anymore. <laughs> they're like dogs. So the, they're basically small dogs. Yeah. And apparently they could train them pretty well, too. I don't know exactly how it would work, but the rats were large enough. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember exactly how it works, but the, the rats were more effective, more efficient than a dude with a minesweeper. And so something like tenfold. So yeah, these um, these trainers would just 
train these rats to detect mines. They would do a year of service, and then they're just pets to the trainers now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That seems so nice. Yeah. And apparently, they did such a good job that there's like, I forget what country this was in, but there's no more mines there. Hey. They declared it like, yo, we're good. That's excellent. Isn't it? Man, shout outs. Shout outs to the Sri Lankan government for being holy full ass pieces of shit. (laughs) God damn. Well, anyway, yeah, I, one of the reasons why I, I initially wanted to get into streaming for a while and I had the setup and everything ready for it and I was doing it semi-regularly. I was doing it about twice a week for about three or four hours at a time. Mm. And much like you, I was just kind of testing the waters and I never announced it to anybody. Sure. And so I, I was doing that for a little while and I realized that doing live content is such a fucking commitment. Yeah. You have to be there. Right. And, and there's not... There's no breaks. Yeah. No, if you leave for 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes of dead air. That's like, a, that's a lot of people leaving. Yeah. Yeah. What, and, a, what a lot of people do is put up like a little bumper and say, be right back or some shit yeah. and then play music. But as soon as that goes up, half their viewers leave. Oh yeah. Yeah. And do, can you blame them? No, not at all. Like it, it's a commercial break for an indeterminate amount of time. You yep. don't know if the person's coming back in five minutes or half an hour. You exactly. Got, you're on the internet. You got a no attention span. There's thousands of other Twitch channels you could be watching right now instead of this little bumper card. Exactly. It's really weird. It's it's really fascinating as like a comp like a business structure. It's r- really weird too to even consider because most of these people. A lot of streamers have never had real fucking jobs. Like, they don't have to grind out something that they fucking hate. Like, working at a gas station. Working at a Kinko's. Like, that that kind of (laughs) shit. They don't have to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is is one of the things they brought up in the video as well. And one of the reasons why they grind so hard is because they remember what it's like to have those shitty-ass jobs. Oh, yeah. I'm sure of that. Like... Doing something like being a professional streamer, especially when you're young, is such a privileged position to have. Oh, my God. Like, I don't really like using the term privilege a lot, but if you're 18 and you can afford to play video games eight hours a day and get paid for it, like, if that that opportunity existed for me when I was a teenager, oh, buddy. (laughs) I mean, I was doing that regardless. I put a camera on. I was funny. Like... Yo, I could be in there. But of course, you know, that didn't exist 10 years ago. And yeah, like, but you can't do that when you have a shitty computer, when, you know, you need a lot of material components just to get started. And then you have to be able to afford to have that time effectively wasted for the first several months of you doing this. Yeah. Because you're not making any money for a while. Not until you have a viewer base. And in that time, you're literally just sitting there playing games for, for hours for a day. Nobody. For nobody. You're not getting paid for this. You 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 ain't got bills? All right, cool. But if you do, well, now that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. And that time, it's it's a huge gamble. Because that time could be better used doing something else. Yeah, you could be building an actual skill. Yeah. Whereas playing video games in front of nobody isn't isn't something that's that great. One of the things that I discovered in San Diego was that there's a Twitch community here. Yes. 
and none of them are successful. Nope. I don't think any of them are are uh, partnered streamers. I Would think you- well. I don't know how it works now because I know they, they changed their affiliate and partner kind of setup thing so it's a little more lenient. Yeah. Versus a few years ago or even last year where you had to have a consistent 80 viewers or more or it may be even like over 100 viewers at a time mm-hmm. and you had to stream at least three days a week for four hours or more. Yeah, there there was some pretty stringent rules back in the day. I remember the San Diego FGC actually had to strike a deal with Twitch directly in order to get partner affiliation kind of stuff because they could only stream like once a week. But when we streamed, we would get a few hundred viewers. But I think it's because they were technically an organization. Yeah. So they got different rules for them. Yeah. 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 It's it's crazy. And I mean, not to shit on them, but they all seem like nice people. And there are probably like 40 or 50 of them. And not a single one of them has had any success on Twitch. And some of them have been at it for years. That That is crazy to me. Yeah. Like they get 10 viewers or something. Or I want to know what 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 they're doing wrong. Like if you're consistently streaming and if you're if you have a personality you're likely to grow your viewer base at some point you know if a new person tunes into you every week and you've been at it for 60 weeks i think part of the problem is that twitch's discovery platform isn't good it doesn't help you or it doesn't help smaller streamers get discovered what it does do though is spread awareness for larger streamers like anybody who's already partnered is placed on either the front page or there's a little side panel now Mm -hmm. and in the lower third of it there is like a streamers to check out or something right it's like recommended channels based on you know what you've been watching what you like etc exactly exactly yeah when it comes to finding new people it is tough there's a few people that i've only found totally randomly because like I'll be watching Caleb Hart or something. He ends his stream and then hosts someone else. Yeah. And, you know, that that guy, he was another Mega Man speedrunner. And he must have had like 50 viewers. Caleb Hart's stream comes in. That's like 6,000 people just slamming him. And he's like, what the fuck do I do? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. It was really cool for him, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) But to witness that as well was also like... You know, it's it's cool moment to be a part of, but it's a, a large portion of what you have to do on Twitch. At least I'm I'm not successful on Twitch. I don't stream, and I assume one of the larger things that you have to do in order to be successful on that platform is networking your ass off. Yeah, and that's it. All you do is you network, get people to host you, and then after you've been hosted, make sure that you have the opportunity to kind of capture that audience a little bit better yeah you know what i mean yeah. like keep people engaged yeah not having two monitors for example while streaming is a huge detriment because if you've got a full screen game going and you can't see that chat that's all those viewers you're not engaging exactly exactly you got to have at least like a a desktop and your phone open to your chat at the very least yeah at the very least 
it's really crazy. It's a crazy business. I'll put the link to the talk in in the show notes. But I think it's a very comprehensive thing. Of course, they do some bullshitting in there. Of course, it's 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 fun. It's engaging or whatever. But you can take away some pretty good lessons from it. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. It's yeah. fun. And on that topic, I will be streaming more often because uh, your boy just got a lot more time because his work restructured some things. Oh shit! So I'm not no I'm not I'm not going broke or nothing. But I'll have a lot more time. So, well, that's good. you know, I'll be streaming twitch.tv slash Bushido Brown SD. And, uh, yeah, it'll, we'll, we'll get there. As of right now, I'm mostly playing Dota and fighting games, okay. which is likely what I'm going to continue to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> I will start streaming Fortnite as of July 20th. And what else is there destiny 2 as of september or something but they haven't announced whether or not it's coming out for ps4 first or Mm, if it's going to be concurrent release yeah exactly so i'll be streaming those and then i'll try to capitalize on those audiences or whatever and see if i can make anything out of streaming but i it's a huge commitment and like being that i have a job now yeah and basically a second job with all the real nerd hour shit that we have going on it's uh it's a lot yeah <laughs> so we'll we'll see we'll see it, it'll be a fun challenge i'm always up for a fucking challenge man. Yeah. look if you're sitting at home and you're not challenging yourself every fucking day what are you doing why why are you alive why do you wake up in the morning why do you get out of bed if getting out of bed is the challenge that you're conquering good for you yeah that was a challenge for me for a little while i when i was uh just getting out of high school Ah. yeah <laughs> that was difficult that was a difficult time i was just like yo like why the fuck would i want to do anything no no it wasn't depression no oh, well it was, okay then it was it was just like fucking extreme laziness yeah it was it was a good time i like staying in bed sleeping was fun sleeping was great yeah oh my god i wish i could sleep like a normal human now <sighs> i don't sleep well <laughs> it happens I'm I'm ready to get my sleep schedule fucked up again, man. Oh, I got all this extra do time. Don't Ooh. do that. Oh, now you can stream at fucking crazy hours and get that shitty ass EU audience. Hell yeah! And get people speaking Russian in your Hit fucking me up. chat. I I got your sukas. I got your blitz. Suka blitz. You know And then they laugh with X's. It's like really, that's that. Oh shit! Oh shit! So, I don't know how many of y'all actually keep up with any FGC goings-on and f- keep up with fighting games, but if you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll remember one of our first guests was OFs, or SD Panoy, Richard Klink, and I just want to give an update to y'all if you haven't been keeping up with him. Your boy's making waves. In the last week, there was first a tournament sponsored by Zowie, which is... Uh, monitor by ben q wowie zowie <laughs> wowie zowie kablow yeah uh and richard ended up winning first place at that tournament which was kind of a huge upset because some big names came out to that smug was there punk was there and i don't remember if there was anyone else who was like really noteworthy but i also want to give a quick shout out to trash boat for beating punk off stream that no one expected <laughs> Trashboat is just he's one of the kind of tier two players in san diego like he's good but he's not like taking down every tournament or anything and he just beats one of the top players 
in the world out of nowhere. <laughs> so shout outs to him. <laughs> That's dope. And uh, good shit to Richard. He ended up winning a trip to Taiwan to do the kind of world finals for that same series. And additionally, also last week was the Red Bull Proving Grounds finals, which was a regional tournament. There were eight regional tournaments where people competed to be representatives for their area. So there was Toronto, Chicago, Seattle, Texas, Florida, and Richard ended up being on the team for Southern California or Los Angeles. They ended up getting second place. Richard put the team on his back. Shout out to Alex Myers for fucking everything up. (laughs) (laughs) That should have been Team San Diego. They could have taken first place. Get at me. But good shit to him anyway. That was an excellent showing. And I think people are really going to start watching him on a world scale. People already know his name now, but it's only getting bigger from here. I really really want to see how he does at Evo. I mean, I'll be there. So Put the city on your back, Richard. Hell yeah. Clink. Clink man. Little Clinkington. Tell me what you clink, what you clink. So, going back to something that was brought up last week in one of the voicemails prior to getting into questions. um, Somebody had mentioned the prison school translation thing. That that, the little snafu from a couple years ago. And I looked it up. We looked it up. Yeah. And apparently they have some translation in there where they make a joke about Gamergate or something like that. And I... There's no nuance to it either. No. (laughs) Not at all. It's so fucking stupid. It's... The line is something to the effect of, are you one of those Gamergate creeps? Yep. Yep. And as the girl is pressing her titties together and getting in this guy's face. Yeah. And the the article that I had read basically described the anime as a titty anime, which is basically the same as Keijo, where there's nothing going on, but there's just chicks and t- like 2D titties. I'm going to say there's slightly more substance to prison school because there's actually a story and <laughs> people actually make jokes. But uh, yeah, it's. You're not watching this for the actual content. You're watching it for the smut. It's like, how the fuck are you going to get on your high horse? You're you're producing 2D softcore porn. Yeah. And you're talking shit about people. That's like pot kettle situation. Yeah. Come on <laughs> now. Fucking A. Have some self-awareness. That's so fucking stupid. I hate I hate when shows do that. I hate, just like when Law and Order SVU got into the Gamergate uh, shit. Yeah. And they got it all fucked up. But it was like... It, it was like them trying to be relevant more so than making a point. And it was like, dog, why would you even do this? Why would you why would you step into this realm if you're not even going to attempt to get like the framing of the story? Right. They could have done really fucking well with that. Oh, yeah. SVU has some fucking fantastic episodes. Yeah. And this is I fucking love Law and Order. I love especially the early 90s Law and Order where it's like um, it's shot a lot differently. It's got more of a cinematic feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantastic show. You should check out the like the early to mid 90s Law and Orders. They're very good. They're fun to watch. But like the later it goes, the more formulaic it gets. And you know who did what crime. Yeah. But it's it was it was a good it was a really good show at one point. But SVU, I used to watch every morning. Because I worked graveyard at Kinko's. So I'd come home from Kinko's, sit on my couch for an hour, watch Angel, and then Law and Order SVU. And then go to bed. And hmm. then get up and go back to work. It was, it was really fucking with it. 
It's yeah. really fucking Law and Order SVU, and they they have good episodes. Yeah. And sometimes they just fuck it up and drop the ball because they want to be fucking relevant. Yeah, I mean, even some of their relevant episodes work, but it was clear that they just did not understand what was happening. Yeah. And I've been, in a sense, in the boardrooms where they've done made these decisions, and I'll be the one saying, yo, this isn't how this works. <laughs> yo, I'm, I'm your target demo. I'm insulted here. <laughs> and they'll, they'll sit there and they'll like nod, smile and say, okay, so we're going back to what we were doing, right? Like they, I'm sure they had people who were trying to explain to them like, yo, this, no, don't do this. And they'll be like, mm, yeah. Uh, so I wanted my coffee black and then it had some sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another one of the problems with, uh, with, with prison school. Because they're not doing their jobs. That's not a direct translation of what was coming from Japan. Yeah. They just fucking added that in there. Yeah. You're not doing your job, dog. That's that's that I would fire them for that. Or I would I would that that's that's something like if if I was the American in charge during that production and they had sent that VO back to the main studio and I watched that, I would say re-fucking record this and we're not paying you to do it what the fuck is this i i, I don't know who whose call that was it was probably the script writer it was probably the localization team and they th- i bet you they thought it was fucking hilarious i bet you they thought this was the best joke they had written in ages <sighs> the, yeah probably and it's not even a joke it's, it's just not a, it's, it's barely a reference it's barely <laughs> and they're just taking a dig at gamergate which was hot to do back then but right it was like who it was, fucking cares about this and the other thing is that that was largely their audience anyway yeah yeah <laughs> yep so well they fucked it up they're they stupid fucked it up. Yeah, dumb as hell don't yeah. watch dubs <laughs> hey hey god damn it watch dubs watch good dubs yes good dubs only watch good anime (laughs) (laughs) only invest when the stocks are going up yes (laughs) questions from the subreddit all right what you got real nerdhours.reddit.com check it out join it eric luster says mayweather versus mcgregor who will win my money's on Mayweather. I gotta give it to Mayweather. I mean, he's an actual boxer. Yeah. Apparently, Conor McGregor did some amateur boxing back in the day before he got into MMA, mm-hmm. and he was quite good. I can imagine. But the thing is with boxing is like, the reason why he probably never popped off in boxing was because the sport is so fucking crazy as far as like how the promotions are set up. Oh, yeah. The promoting is done in some fucking wacky way where essentially everybody's an independent contractor. So you have to contact your promotion, contacts another promotion that has to go to another promotion to put together the fight. And then that promotion contacts the managers of smaller boxers to put together an undercard for your fight. Right. And then the pay-per-view will... Dictate how much money you get. You know what? Fuck it. 
I'm changing my answer. Both of them are going to win because oh, they're yeah. getting a hundred million dollars to fight each yeah, other. There they're is no loser here. Both getting yeah. that's the minimum. And whoever wins is probably going to get a, the pay per view bonus. Yeah, but it Who like gives a shit. It's a hundred fucking million dollars. I heard someone else put it very well. I would I would gladly accept a hundred mil to get my ass kicked. Yes, like yo, I'll take. 12 rounds in the ring with McGregor for 100 mil. Dog, I wouldn't, it wouldn't even have to be 12 rounds. I mean, what, it won't be 12 rounds. No, no, <laughs> no. They could, they could make that fight. Oh, my God. They could just, they, fuck. It's going to probably be a really boring fight because that's, Floyd Mayweather is getting older. He's very defensive. He's a very defensive boxer. So it's, I, it's not going to be an entertaining fight. But I, they're going to make I, so much money. Oh, my God, so much money. I, I've heard a lot of people saying, yo, McGregor's or Mayweather's going to knock McGregor's pasty white ass out. Eh, no, probably he not. He doesn't fight like that. No, I mean, yeah, he's got knockouts, but that's probably because of his opponents getting hasty. And I can't really see McGregor doing that. He's too seasoned. They're, they're going to be singing, we're in the money. No, no shit. We're in the money. I think the worst part about this whole fight for me is that I don't like either of them. Like as people, they're both assholes. <laughs> at least, at least McGregor is charming. He's 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 got a charm to him. He definitely has a a, a good sense of showmanship. Yeah, but I just find him just too much of an asshole. I can't yeah, like him. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And Mayweather was never charming. He's always no. just been an asshole. And I'm still not sure <laughs> if you can read. <laughs> <laughs> well, the tape shows he can't. Eric Luster also asks, if there was a movie or show you could unsee, what would it be and why? I would say, like, the Alien series. Just because, like, I fucking love those movies. And I would love to just watch it for the first time. Yeah, just again. experience it for the first time yeah, again. Yeah, man. That'd be fantastic. I fucking love those movies. They're so good. And it's, it was such a surprise when I first saw them, too. Because I didn't expect... Because, honestly, the first movies from the 70s that I had experienced were the Star Wars movies. Or a Star Wars movie. 70s, 80s era. I don't remember what year Star Wars came out. But, essentially, the first movies that I had interacted with were the Star Wars ones. And those weren't that great. But, I didn't realize that movies like Terminator, Terminator 2 Mm -hmm. from the 70s and then the 80s could be that good. And then I saw the alien and then aliens. I was like, holy shit, there were good movies in the 70s? I know, right? This was back when I was like 15, 16 (laughs) or something like that. But I I love that series so fucking much. Very good series. If you haven't seen the alien movies, seriously. Stop stop after aliens three alien yeah, three alien three beyond that it's yeah resurrection out. is fucking trash that one was written oh, by I joss whedon god that existed that one was fucking pure basura prometheus <sighs> is okay it's cool like it's got all the sci-fi shit that i like in alien covenant you guys know it <sighs> sucks yeah it's not good at all there's no redeeming qualities to that yeah um as for me for the same reasons i would say either blazing saddles or pulp fiction because I saw those probably when I was like 16, something like that. And while I did get a lot of the humor, 
I've rewatched those movies, both of those several times. And every time I watch them, I just catch something else to it. But if I were able to see it for the first time again, ooh, ooh, I'd be so down. <laughs> IO Netrunner asks, what do you think of people who say they're fans of something but don't keep up with the source material? I think there are shades to this in a big way. For example, you now have a lot of new fans of Marvel, new fans of DC, who, you know, they could just be into the MCU, but that they haven't gone through and read any of the Captain America comics. They haven't read any of Thor's stuff. They haven't played the Marvel games, but they're still fans of the MCU. However, I will then say if they claim to be fans of the Marvel movies, but they haven't seen Thor 2, well, yeah, you know, it's a little different. It is a little different. So there's definitely shades to it, but I think you have to like kind of pinpoint what they're actually fans of before you start casting judgment. Because, I mean, I'm a fan of Final Fantasy, but I haven't played all of the games. I've played specific ones and I'm fans of the, a fan of those specific ones. I consider myself a fan of the series altogether, but I haven't beaten them all. So, yeah, there, there's nuance to it. My my one thing is just like don't be don't be a gatekeeper. Don't be a dick about it. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I don't I don't really care. I don't care because it's like, uh, you know what? You do you and don't I guess I do care. As soon as they start talking to me about it. Yeah. Because, like, if, you, if you're trying to, like, fake the funk, if you're trying to, like, puff out your chest and pretend to be a fucking big fan of something, and you're talking to me about it, like, if you don't know what you're talking about, then shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah. You, you can stop. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really into, say, Boku no Hero Academia. I really like that anime. I really like that manga. But I don't write fanfics for it so you know what maybe i'm not as big a fan of it as some other people that's a that's a bridge too far that is entirely <laughs> too far <from> me. <laughs> norseman not secret norseman just norseman just although norseman. his name is secret norseman but on the, the secret is out yes the secret's out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit is it possible to have vr gaming for the masses before 2020 what about VR porn for the masses before 2020? Mm. If VR headsets become ubiquitous, which it's looking less and less likely day by day, yes, there will be porn available for it as there is porn already available for VR. Pornography is a huge leader of innovation because it's a massive market. It was a massive market. It's less so impactful now, but it's still it's still got some clout. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I, People don't pay for por for porn as much as they used to, but yeah, I don't, I don't really see it being really that that big of a thing. I mean, we thought Google Glass would probably have more impact than it did. I thought it would have at least some impact, and it did fucking nothing. It only it only created funny stories to read online yeah. about people using Google Glass. Straight up, like that yeah. was that was the depth of its impact. But and then like. Um, Samsung was shipping out free Google or Samsung Gear VR with some of their newer phones. And it's cool. When you put it on, it's cool, but it just doesn't have enough practical use, I think. 
Yeah. Especially with having this big clunky hardware involved. So until we can really streamline, I think the hardware part of it, it's just not really going to be a thing. AR is going to have more of a lasting effect than VR will. I would agree with that. Yeah. Because VR, VR, I mean, having your vision obscured 100% is not ideal. Right. It, It, as it is, it's difficult to set up. It's cost prohibitive. Oh, fuck yeah. Especially to have the hardware to even run it. Yeah. Like, you have to have a computer that's popping in order to run this stuff smoothly. And then you're putting on this big-ass headset with a bunch of wires coming out of it. And you have to do it. If if you're doing, like, a VR game that involves, like, arm movements and stuff, you have to have a, a room that's big enough and open enough to just play it. And, of course, then you have to have the motivation to fucking do all this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's as it is not happening. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it at all. Period. I think it's cool, but it has a very long way to go. I also get very motion sick very quickly. Yeah, that'll uh, definitely that'll do it. <laughs> I played with the Oculus Rift when they first sent out the Kickstarter ones mm-hmm. because at my old job we were fucking with getting into VR. Sure. And they still do VR work, I think. They did something for Patron that was really cool. They went down to Mexico and filmed a bunch of shit for them. Cool. Which was fucking rad. I was super yeah. jealous. But, yeah. And they did something for Tidal VR, which was cool. But that work dried up because, like, people are sick of investing in it because the user base hasn't expanded enough for it. Right. Yeah. But, anyway, moving on. Samurai Jack the Face Ripper wants to know, you guys fuck with the new Friday the 13th game at all? Looks pretty cool. I know it went over better than the developer expected as they were as they are increasing the server count and adding new content. Along the same lines, do you guys have any good suggestions for a good PC gamepad? Oh, a gamepad? No, I really don't know. I the only pad that I use is just a wired Xbox controller. Yeah, that's what I recommend. Just get a get a and just get an Xbox controller. Yeah. It's worth it. I mean, they're they're a little bit pricey, yeah, but if you have Windows 10, it just fucking hooks right in and yeah, it works. Plug and play. Yeah. I mean, I primarily use a fight stick. I'm used to it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, as as for Friday the Thirteenth, I only really heard about it like just before it released, and I've heard mostly positive things, but I don't actually know much about the game itself. I've watched a few streams, and it doesn't look like it'll appeal to me at all. It okay. looks boring, honestly. What kind of game is it? It's like, um, do you remember that game, uh, Evolve? Oh yeah, it's like that, but. You, instead of playing a monster that's evolving, you're playing Jason and you're chasing teens around. Okay. I mean, that, that there's definitely appeals to that. I, I can see it being fun, but I don't know how lasting that kind of thing is. Like, I don't want to say it feels gimmicky, but it feels a little gimmicky. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it just looks, at least to me, it looks a little bit slow. The, ga- the goal of the game is to escape wherever you're at sure. while Jason is chasing you, but it's just seems very one-dimensional to me yeah so i don't know i didn't i didn't pick it up to try to play it the next question comes in from Cokenon. how do you guys feel about shows that have been finished that get revisited like they had an ending 
But years later, they decide to do more stuff. I don't remember if you guys have talked about your feeling on, on FLCL, but I feel like that's a show that doesn't need more episodes. Are there any shows that you loved that you'd be upset if the creators came back and tried to fuck with it? Well, honestly, Fully Cooly coming back, I think is fine. In my opinion, it's not that it needs to be revisited, but I'd be interested to see what else they can do. It, there's it's the original a, creators, right? I think so. I know it's at least some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a finished story, but that also means that there are a lot of directions they could go with. So there's that. But then on the complete opposite side of, well, not even not complete opposite, but Code Geass is getting another season, which made no fucking sense because the main character died at the end well it does make sense in in the scheme of like an overarching story because like realistically the problems wouldn't be solved after they stage the rebellion yeah. and what's his name dies lelouch lelouch dies okay that part is fine but lelouch is back i'm sorry <laughs> what that's what i'm saying okay okay <laughs> Okay. That's where they lost it. Because okay. yeah, there was room to have more of a story, sure. But what the fuck, guys? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fuck out of here. So any well, any any good series that pulls something like that, yeah, I would be pretty upset. Yeah. Fuck them. That's really weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it. Whatever. The show's popular and it's it's good. Sure. But it's it's like. Come on, guys. Yeah. I, don't. I mean, like, I, uh, okay, I get it. He faked his death or whatever. He, he faked his death. He so, faked his death. So, so people would have, like, an icon to, 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 to for a fucking martyr or whatever. So he's like, he Ozymandias deist himself. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Or Dr. Manhattan himself. Yes. Rather. Uh, but, like, other shows like Fuller House coming back and, like, shit like that. It's oh. just like, leave that shit dead, dog. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's probably an audience for it, but the audience isn't that big. Yeah, I mean, I know that they they did that with they did Fuller House, Girl Meets World. I'm sure they've done a, done that with other older sitcoms, and it, the premises can work. You know, it's just it's just another family sitcom, whatever. But yeah, it's a cash grab. Yeah. The the reboot remake thing has gone too far. Uh, yeah, no, they need more original shit coming out. I'm sick of I'm sick of watching the same old shit. And I understand why they're doing it it's so they can introduce a new audience to it. So in 20 years they can reintroduce their kids to it. Yeah, and it, I think generally speaking, reboots and re-releases, etc., do well ratings wise like hawaii 50 which has effectively nothing to do with the original hawaii 50 series well that's been going on for years and it's just another cop show in, in hawaii yep but it's got the name so there's an association right here and they did a crossover with csi yeah los angeles yeah they had uh, what's his name who played robin and ll cool j yep <laughs> chris o'donnell <laughs> i watched it i used to watch hawaii 5 though yeah yeah uh my parents watched it so i would catch some episodes yeah oh. i mean it's not bad no. it's just standard fare it's another cop show this one's just in hawaii yep they need to bring back magnum pi and do a crossover yeah i don't know why they brought back macgyver that was so stupid <laughs> that was strange but it, it did well ratings wise at least in the first weeks 
I would fuck with a Quantum Leap remake. Yeah, yeah. That might be cool. That could be cool. That could be really fucking cool. Do it about like a startup, like some assholes who are running a startup. Yeah. Oh, shit. That would be fucking cool. I think all the original actors are still alive, too. So you can just bring them back as like background characters. They should. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, that'd be sick. Well, anyway. Could be cool. So this question comes from Norseman from last week. We just ended up skipping over it. But hey, we're here now. He says, I play Magikarp Jump on mobile. It's like 95% grinding, 4% resource management, and like 1% gameplay. But I keep playing it to make my Magikarp grow and compete against the AI. So, what is the dumbest slash worst game you just can't stop playing? For a while, for me, it was uh, Flappy Bird and then Pokemon Go. Those two games I had real trouble putting down. But the, the thing is with me is that after a certain point, I just say, fuck it. And like I give myself like a low-key ultimatum and I just delete the app or I, I say like, all right, I'm not playing this anymore. Delete the app and then hide my phone for a little bit and just go cold <laughs> turkey from the games or I just keep playing. And like the, the thing is, it's like I hate being that connected to my phone like sure. being attached to it and having to keep doing something. Yeah. Although I'm that attached to computers or whatever, but like there's some things that are unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. As for me, I, I'm all about those dumb games. Like I, I'm playing Magikarp jump as well. Still like I've beaten through the seven main leagues. Now there's like the expert league after that. And, but what really gets me is actually incremental games like cookie clicker clicker heroes that kind of shit (sighs) fam i remember when i was introduced to cookie clicker i was like okay whatever i'll just you know play it and then it's like oh i could set up a script for an auto clicker oh and then when i started playing clicker heroes i was like oh i could set up a script to auto use my skills on top of this auto clicker Oh, I could set up another script to level up my hero. So I would just have it running like 24 hours a day. And what would end up happening is the only way I put those games down is if I just go do something or if there's like something actually physically preventing me from playing it for some reason, then I'll just stop and never come back to it. And then if something happens with it, like months later and someone's like, oh, hey, they just updated Cookie Clicker. Fuck! Now I gotta play it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have a similar issue with those. But the thing that breaks it for me is I cheat. Yeah, so that's, that's the other way out. I just, I always, as soon as I get tired of using my index finger or writing scripts to do things for me, I just find ways to cheat. And that's how I break myself free from those specific types of games yeah. in browsers. But... Fuck it. Yeah. Voicemails. Yo, it's Dr. Derry V again, and the D stands for drinking in bars. You know, I don't often drink in bars. In fact, I used to do it every weekend. You know, not good bars. There's no good bars, probably. Just only within walking distance. And, you know, once I did it again, and holy shit, I just remembered why I loved doing it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of turned off by the $3 Budweiser. Yeah, that 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 don't sound fun at all. 
But, you know, they got a well-stocked bar, and the food at the restaurant was pretty nice, you know? Just a place I used to go to every weekend. And it just feels better just being outside your house, even if it's just not even a block away. That, that, that's how I feel about drinking in bars sometimes. Also, I guess I have a question. No, I don't have a question. I just got to answer a question. Yeah, it, it, it's hands-free. I drive a Lincoln, my boy. A newer Lincoln, so... <laughs> I, I, when I'm driving, I just speak to my car. Okay, keep it real. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I right. Got an old man bragging about his Lincoln and drinking in bars and shit. Oh, jeez, <laughs> brother's out here, sixty years old. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoy going to a nice little dive with shitty food and shitty alcohol and shitty beer for the cheapness. Yeah. That that's there was <laughs> I, I may tell more tales about this bar at some point in the future, but there was only one bar that I've been to that I liked going to consistently. It was called Jolton Joe's and it was in the south southeastern side of San Diego. And I used to live in North County, San Diego. So it was like a almost an hour drive to get to this place. But on Sundays they would do three dollar you call it. So that basically means $3 for whatever the fuck you want. And that was pretty much an open invitation. The only times that they broke that was if you did like premium alcohols. But even then, the most it would ever be would be $8, which at some places is just standard. But aside from that, I just kind of don't like bars that much. I the, the Because it's expensive and I'm rarely there to meet people. So I would rather just drink at someone's house or like fuck it, crack open a, a 40 in a, in a park, just be homeless about it. That's me. That's fair. I, I will drink at a bar when I, when I really feel like not drinking at home or if it's out of convenience, like I, there's a bar on my way home. If I drive a certain route, of course. Of course. Of course, everything's on the way home if you drive a certain way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not super out of the way. But I will go there because the drinks are cheap as fuck. And, like, I'll, you know, take an Uber to work, take an Uber to the bar, and then Uber home. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll just be shit-faced in about 20 minutes hey. because they will not limit how many drinks they serve you oh, at one time. I, I love places that do that. It's like, yo, let me get six drinks for myself. Yep. I'm not here with nobody, but I want six drinks. Yep. It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. Yep. Hey, yo, I got an entry for the cringe cup. How about fat motherfuckers who use that, their obesity as an excuse for why they get no motherfucking pussy. <laughs> Some of the biggest pets of our time are overweight motherfuckers. Patrice O'Neill can talk any bitch out of the pussy, out of the pussy. Uh, Killer Mike regularly raps about threesomes with his wife. Pimp C, that's fucking self-explanatory. Eat a dick, Denzel, you coward. <laughs> All right. He, he's got a point. He's got me. Call he's, him he, out. he's got me fucking red-handed, my guy. <laughs> Holy shit. God damn. Cold-blooded. Damn. Tell him like it is. Damn. I feel attacked. I think that was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you rightfully so feel attacked. Oh, shit. 
The, oh, the difference between me and all those people is fucking money, my I was, guy. I would say a couple of digits in the bank account. Yeah, being successful at something, being a household name. You yeah. go find me an average fat man who's out here slaying. That's not in the Midwest. Find, yeah. <laughs> find me, find me a dude who's in in a normal part of the country that's out here slaying. My guy. Now, once once I get popping, I won't have any excuse. There you go. But now that's I'm a, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep coasting on it. <laughs> I'm gonna call it my meal ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Hey guys, me again. Uh, I forgot to say, you guys can call me Leo, because drunk Australian is a tautology, and it would be kind of confusing if you ever got another one to pull in. <laughs> we'll keep that in mind for you. <laughs> hey guys, it's the drunk Australian from last week calling in. Uh, I, uh, I uh, appreciate that you edited me down to sound less drunk. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just calling in to say uh, last week Denzel said he really loves animation and i was wondering if he's ever seen the anime movie jin the wolf the grade the great okay um some of the animation in that movie is fucking gorgeous it's uh so lifelike and according to the director no no rotoscoping is used which makes it impressive as shit and it's just oh, gorgeous. The word gorgeous was invented for that movie. And uh, I was also wondering if you guys have ever seen uh, Bill Burr's F is for Family. It is one of the best dark comedies of the last couple of decades. Uh, right up there with Rick and Morty. And like dark comedy in a very... Um, you know, universal way, very relatable. Just wondering about your thoughts on that. Cheers, guys. Uh, as always, podcast is amazing. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen F or I saw one episode of F for Family and I couldn't get through it. it was- I watched it. I watched the whole first season, but it was kind of in the background. I- I wasn't super paying attention to it. Is basically how I'll put it. All right, I'll give it a shot for you, buddy. Leo played those in the wrong order, as it turns out. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll do. I'll I'll check both Jinro and F is for Family out, and I'll talk about it next week. I actually need to rewatch Jinro because I only saw bits of it when it was when it was still new or newish. How long ago did it come out? <sighs> At least ten years. Okay. Yeah, actually, let's, let me let me check that so I don't sound like a complete idiot. Ninety nine. Oh, it came out in ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. All so right, cool. Been, been a while. All right, rad. All right, well, thanks everybody for calling in, and emailing, and leaving us comments and and all some such. Yeah, we appreciate you. Now love, it's time to go. And we love all of our listeners. All of them. All of them. In every way conceivable. Damn, I can't believe your man's called here and listed off a bunch of famous dudes. I know, man, right? God damn. 
<laughs> what happened to what? What about Jim from down the block? Is he is he beating it up? Is he, is he out here slinging? Yeah. Tell me, tell me about, tell me about the guy who runs a barbecue shop down the street, dude. <laughs> See, let me, let me know if he's slanging. He's bigger and he beating up them ribs. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right, you can follow the show on Twitter at X Real Nerd Hours. You can follow me on Twitter at that Denzel. You can follow Chat on Twitter at Bushido Brown SD. Excellent. You can join us on the subreddit at realnerdhours.reddit.com. You can subscribe to our Patreon where we've got hot-ass bonus content, which we talked about at the top of the episode, at patreon.com slash realnerdhours. We now have a Facebook group. If you really want to join, get your real name out there, dox yourself or whatever, <laughs> facebook.com slash podcast. You can drop us an email at askrnh at gmail.com. You can call us on our hotline leave us a nice little voicemail at 413 savage one savage once again this has been real nerd hours a podcast ostensibly about nerd shit i have been denzel and chet see you next thursday